0: you. Mm-hmm.
1: This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin.
0: Episode 78 The Kelly Cahill Encounter Stories of UFO sightings and extraterrestrial encounters are far from being a new concept. However, throughout history, there have been cases that have stood out from the rest. Some become so well known, they receive major recognition. This is one of the most notable cases to originate in the land down under, And would go on to become one of the strangest encounters to date. The Kelly Cahill case became so well known, it was talked about on major television shows, such as The X Files. Upon introducing a new character to the series, Tad O'Malley, Fox Mulder tested Tad's extraterrestrial knowledge by asking him about the Kelly Cahill case. This week, we are going to deep dive into that very case and discuss the bizarre series of events that took place on that fateful night. It was a warm night on the 8th of August in 1993. The early morning hours were quickly approaching as Kelly and Andrew Cahill were making their way home from our friend's house to Victoria, to the Dandenong Mountains kelly sat with her window open breathing in the crisp mountain air as they came over a hill they spotted what appeared to be a large blimp floating in the sky ahead of them it sat twice as high as the treetops still a couple hundred meters away as they neared the object they noticed it was more of a circular shape filled with bright round orange lights They both found themselves fixated on the object in the sky. Kelly could not take her eyes off of it. Look at the people in the windows, Kelly exclaimed to her husband. Through the bright orange light, she could see what appeared to be the silhouette or outline of figures or people behind the light. The object then shot upward and to the left and disappeared out of sight. Completely taken aback by what they had witnessed, they continued making their way home. Roughly two kilometers later, they were met by a wall of light. The light was so blinding, Kelly had to put her hand to her brow to shield it. Even then, she had to strain her eyes to see in front of her but she could still not see a thing. They continued driving and rounded a corner. In the distance, sitting in a field was a very large craft, roughly the size of a two- or three-story building, and the length of an Olympic swimming pool. They pulled their car over along the side of the road. Shortly after them, another couple, a bank manager named Bill, His wife Glinda, and their friend Jane, who was a registered nurse, also pulled over. A moment later, another car driven by a government employee that went by the name of David also pulled over to view the object. Kelly and Andrew exited the vehicle and crossed the road to get a better look. They were both very excited and couldn't believe what they were witnessing. However, that euphoric feeling would quickly take a turn. They spotted what appeared to be a tall, dark figure standing in front of the craft. It stood roughly six feet tall, with a dark complexion. All of a sudden, there was a large group of figures standing, staring back at them. At that moment, Kelly felt a strange sensation overtake her body. It was as if a large amount of energy, or frequency, had passed through her. It seemed to come in waves. She became very frightened as she could not understand exactly what was happening. She then began screaming as she watched the figures before her start to spread around them. Their eyes then began to glow a bright red color... Several of the figures approached each group of people in attendance. All of a sudden, Kelly experienced a blow to her stomach, knocking her down in the process. It wasn't a physical blow, but it seemed to be more of an electric charge that hit her. This knocked the wind out of her. She quickly struggled to sit up. She knew she had to, or she wouldn't survive. Once she was able to fully sit up, she could not see anything. She called out for her husband, and could hear him telling someone to keep their hands off of him. An unfamiliar voice called back to him, saying, We mean you no harm. Andrew countered the voice and asked why they had hit his wife. She remained there for some time, unable to see in front of her temporarily blinded while still trying to catch her breath she then began crying hysterically she couldn't do anything else she felt helpless in that instant she heard a male voice say someone do something about her and then she felt a hand rest on her shoulder the next thing she knew she was back in her vehicle and felt completely disoriented they continued driving the rest of the way home arguing over the fact that Kelly had passed out when they arrived home they realized that they were missing an hour and a half of time they were confused and couldn't account for the loss of time but assumed it was because they were tired they then proceeded to settle in Later that night, Kelly discovered an equilateral triangle just below her navel. It was roughly 10 millimeters in each direction, and was red and irritated, almost resembling a burn. Upon further inspection, it looked like the first two or three layers of skin had been removed from the area. It was at this time that Kelly began menstruating. This alarmed her as it was very early. It lasted nearly three and a half weeks and became so bad she was hospitalized with an infection in the womb, which the doctors had no explanation for. After a series of antibiotics, Kelly's condition lessened and she was eventually released from the hospital. After roughly two weeks had passed... Kelly and Andrew found themselves driving through the Dananong Mountains again. All of a sudden, Kelly began to experience flashes of memories of that night. She remembered the strange craft, and the figures, and experiencing the blow to her stomach that knocked her down. She didn't quite know what to make of it. Kelly also spent the first five months experiencing a series of night visitations that started the night of the encounter. She found herself back at the site of the encounter with her head between her legs. As she looked up, she realized her vision had returned, and she watched as a being was guiding her husband down a slope and onto the field. Throughout the first dream, she was unable to see above the being's elbows. Their limbs were very long and thin. She found herself convinced that the being with her husband was a female, and then tackled it and blacked out in the process. She then awoke to find herself on the other side of the field, just ahead of her lie a being that changed into the form of a human She could hear someone further down by the craft yelling to her, calling her a murderess. All of a sudden she felt a hand on her shoulder, and she was led to a small room with a table, and another being in front of her. They informed her that she hadn't actually killed anyone, and that they used her sense of morality to overcome her fear. At that point, she noticed a Bible on the table... It was her Bible that she had lost a few weeks previously. The being handed her the Bible and the dream ended. The following day, her husband found the Bible in their car. After that, the dreams or visitations became more wild and intense. She was initially told to be calm. And then began experiencing waking up to tall, dark, cloaked figures standing over her. On one particular event, she awoke to the feeling of a sucking sensation on her stomach. She awoke on another night by being pulled off of her bed. Perhaps the strangest of them all was when she dreamt of a tall, naked figure leaning over her and kissing her navel. In this particular dream, she was able to get a better view of the being. It was very thin, with long legs and arms, and a very large head. She became so hysterical, she finally woke herself from the dream state. The dreams and night visitations weren't the only strange occurrences that took place during that time. Kelly began to experience major migraines every day, along with the sensitivity to light and sounds. Additionally, electrical phenomena began to occur around the house. On numerous occasions, major appliances would turn themselves on and off. Light bulbs would burn out. And even Andrew's car was witnessed turning over on its own. After checking the ignition, the keys were in it, and the doors were locked. The most notable of the strange occurrences taking place in the home was a series of orange fireballs that would hit the windows. This was witnessed by Kelly, Andrew and Kelly's mother, and happened numerous times. After days of recounting the events and the loss of sleep, she decided to reach out to researchers and universities and was eventually put in contact with a group of UFO researchers called Phenomenal Research Australia by the Civil Aviation Authority. The organization then proceeded to carry out an in-depth investigation into the claims made by Kelly and the others that were in attendance that night. A group from Monash University also spent some time collecting samples from the area where the craft was said to have sat. The on-field ground traces and data took approximately 18 months to investigate. Additionally, aerial surveys were done and infrared photographs were taken from the air. Magnetic readings were then taken from the area where the craft sat as well. Several acres of the area had been marked off in one meter increments. Samples were then taken from each area and were sent to two separate labs to be analyzed. Some of the ground traces consisted of a triangular mark found on the field. At first, it was thought to be burns but was later found to be the chemical pyrene, which is a carcinogenic known for causing cancer. This was shocking as naturally, pyrene would not be found in the area, nor would it be specifically manipulated into the shape of a triangle. The Phenomena Research Australia group then put out an advertisement requesting anyone that had an anomalous experience in this specific area to reach out. An abundance of UFO sightings were then reported. It wasn't long before another group that was there on the night of the encounter finally came forward. They were unaware that Kelly had reached out to the organization. They were then instructed to draw what they had seen, each provided a similar drawing of the craft and the beings that were seen on the field matching the one that kelly had initially provided the media took well to the claims and began reporting on what had been experienced the others were also reported to have marks on them much like Kelly's strangler mark below her navel glinda from the second car and david from the third car both had ligature marks around their ankles Glenda also came forward claiming to recall being in a room and physically strapped down to a table. David, along with the two women in the second car, all had a series of three dots on their inner thigh. Some of the group decided to go public and spoke openly about what had happened. David chose to remain anonymous due to the nature of his position as an authority figure. Unlike Kelly, the extent of the other experiencers were limited to the night of the encounter. Kelly went on to present her encounter to many groups and worked with MUFON. She also released a book titled Encounter in 1996. It consisted of many of the journals she kept during the year after her encounter. The Kelly Cahill case is certainly unique. The fact that each person in attendance experienced the encounter individually with no knowledge of any of the others. The argument of mass hysteria or group psychosis can be ruled out. The case has since went on to receive well-deserved attention and still remains one of the most unique encounters to come out of Australia to date. welcome campers to campfire tales of the strange and unsettling we are your hosts i'm ryan and
1: i'm jordan and now the debrief kelly cahill
0: kelly cahill yeah
1: this is like and you mentioned right at the top that it's like it kind of became like a classic case because of its mention on x-files right you know yeah it was
0: which was actually pretty cool um yeah yeah, I, I liked that little tidbit and I wanted to make sure I I mentioned that somewhere here. Uh but yeah, I mean it was even even mentioned on an X-Files episode. Uh but yeah. this is this is up there with like you know, I mean the classics, right? Yeah. Like Barney and Betty and yeah, I mean so this yeah. it's it's a classic a classic story. And also this is one from Australia too, which is which is also pretty cool.
1: Yeah, the thing is it became like a classic because of that mention and and all that but it's uh, honestly if i'm being honest it's one that i have ne- never really looked into i'm not sure why it just always kind of slid under my radar like it's one that i always heard mentioned you know right it's, but i never really looked into it deeply so yeah yeah so it's super cool
0: well my my goal for for this episode was to find you know like at least talk about one of the one of the stranger ones and i i definitely think this is one of the stranger ones that's for sure um yeah more strange whatever but yeah
1: i mean yeah this it's essentially a group abduction in in my opinion and that almost never happens where like multiple people are experiencing abduction in like the same night in the same location right like
0: see yeah the thing about the thing about this though that sets it apart is it's not necessarily a group abduction as it is. It, every every person is individual to their own encounter. Um, right,
1: but they were all parked on the side of the road.
0: They were all parked, and, uh, but they were all like far, far distance. Nobody knew that um, that uh, Kelly and Andrew were even there. So the way that this happened is like the next car was. I mean, it, it was a little bit of it was a little bit of ways down the road. So they parked a little bit further down the road. And then the final car was a little bit after them. The final car okay. was the only one that still had their headlights on. So if it didn't have its headlights on, Andrew and Kelly wouldn't have even seen it. Uh but the way that they saw them is because he had his headlights on, so it kinda illuminated both groups a little bit.
1: In the story, I, I felt like I don't know, I I got the impression that they were like parked together on the side of the road, right. like everyone pulled over and you See, know what I mean? And I didn't realize they were like far apart.
0: every every time that this the story is told or listening to Kelly talk and everything is, you know, that's what it sounds like at first until she does, you know, say the only, you know, this is separate because nobody even knew that they were there. So everyone else had their own individual experiences and come to find out later is how they found out the names and everything of the people that were there. Gotcha. Um, so, but Kelly was the first one to... I mean, she she was having these dreams, these visitations. Um, you know, she was hospitalized with, um, you know, with issues as well. And so, like, this became a, a big thing. And so it was, it was causing a lot of issues. And so she ended up reaching out, um, you know. And eventually she ended up, from what I've read, uh, but she, uh, in the interviews that I've watched of her, she never mentioned it. But from what I had read is she she at one point had, like, regressive hypnosis or, um, you know, hypnotic regression, whatever. Uh, but the only thing is she had, like, could remember was just seeing the craft again. So it really didn't do anything different. Okay. So maybe that's why so, she never I mentioned was, it.
1: Yeah, because I was going to mention, like, she essentially had that hypnosis experience that we read about in so many cases, but through her dreams.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. Right?
1: Yeah, which is super interesting right she like kind of found that place in herself
0: yeah on her own and so like the first the first dream that she had was actually at the very same night and that was that really strange one where she's watching these beings like carry her husband off and to you off onto this field and um i'm assuming up to the craft it doesn't specifically she didn't specifically state but uh and then she ends up going in and talking to these beings and they hand her this bible and you know and the, she had lost this bible apparently like a couple weeks before that and then the husband happens to find it in the car the very next day
1: see the bible is a super interesting thing that i wanted to bring up because that i feel like that's a detail that would be missing if she had gotten these memories through hypnosis right it's like agreed the the people who do hypnotic regression for for ufo encounters and abductions and stuff for some reason they all seem to remove or steer the people away from any like religious iconography or anything that has to do with that i think personally i think it's because they're terrified that people are going to realize that it's like very similar to like near-death experiences yeah i mean that's true you know what i mean. Yeah, um, that's
0: that's one thing Kelly like she she talks about a lot and openly talked about is when before all this happened. I mean, she was a very uh, God fearing Christian lady, you know, and uh, yeah,
1: I was going to ask. I was going to ask if she was religious. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah, she
0: was very religious up and uh, very religious up until this happened, Um, which I think kind of may have swayed her away a little bit. You know, I'm I'm not for sure. Yeah.
1: Okay. And we kind of jumped way ahead because some super interesting shit happened before they even got up and parked on the road, right? Right. Yeah. So like one thing the You said that it what they first saw, they thought it looked sort of like a blimp. Yeah, from the that's distance, the way that Kelly right? described
0: it. Is it they yeah. they initially thought it was a blimp in the sky. And as they're getting closer, it actually is this like circular object with bright orange circles inside of it. Lights inside of it rather.
1: Yeah. Cause when you first said blimp, I was like, oh that's very nineteenth century. But when they get close to it, it's they get a clearer view of it and realize that it isn't like a blimp at all.
0: Yeah. And I I think that was more so like they just see this big giant thing in the sky that's and they're like oh a blimp reasonably closer than I mean obviously like a plane off in the sky or something like that. So yeah. Sure. Maybe it's a blimp, um, you know.
1: So after that initial, well, first off, windows, people in the windows. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. That's, Which, like. If we have yeah. windows
0: again. Right.
1: Um, But after that first sighting, they drive through a wall of light.
0: Yeah. So after that, like, they're, they're watching this thing and they're just watching heavily. And all of a sudden it zips off, you know, off to the left of them. Um. So then they continue driving, and all of a sudden they basically drive into this just wall of light. I mean, I'm assuming wall of light. It you know it's just the way that uh, the way that it's kind of perceived. I'm, I'm you know obviously yeah. it's probably the light from this craft just really like illuminating this area. You know, just yeah. very overpowering. Very
1: right. Yeah. Like every time Mulder experiences like has a run in with UFOs and X Files, it's like he's just surrounded by blinding light. Right. Yeah. That's, that's
0: how I imagine this, that this is. Okay. So
1: to be clear, her husband remembers experiencing everything, all this stuff we've been talking about already, the beginning stuff.
0: So this is, uh, so this is another thing. Um, so basically for, for years after, after this happens, The husband never disputes whether he saw a craft. Like, he's always been in agreement that he saw a craft. That everything else happened. He, like, anytime she would bring it up or talk about it, he would basically just get pissed and say, No, that never happened. Like, you know, and told her basically to, like, leave it alone. And it wasn't until years later, like, I think it's like six years later or so, he finally admits, Yeah, he does remember everything.
1: Wow. Okay. That's huge. Because I was going to say, if he remembers the first bit, but then after, like, post-abduction, he doesn't remember the abduction right. section of the experience, Well, right? it sounds like
0: him and Bill, which was the driver of the second car, uh, neither one of them really had, I mean, if, at least from the sound of it, really had anything happen to them. Okay. They had no marks. They Neither one of them ever remembered, you know, actually, like, because everybody else kind of had these these feelings or, you know, these almost views of being like Glenda. She remember, you know, she had this like this almost vision of her being strapped to a table. Right. Um and then some of the others talked about, you know, just kind of like this um almost like exam room that they could slightly picture, but it was they could more so hear it than they could anything. Okay. Um but Bill yeah, Bill and Andrew neither one had any of that, but they, but Andrew did confirm that he remembers, you know, them knocking, knocking his wife to the ground, and him yelling at them, asking why they hit her and stuff like that.
1: There, I mean, there are some pretty like there are some pretty scary moments. Yeah, I I, I fully agree. Like when they first go up and she sees one figure, and then suddenly they're a group.
0: Yeah, it's like, like almost instantly. It goes yeah. from one to a whole group of them, and I think I think in total, I think it was somewhere like eight to ten of them. Wow! So I mean, and yeah, then they start pretty, surrounding them. Yep, which exactly. is
1: pretty intimidating, right?
0: Yeah, and then basically come to you know a few of them come to each group or to each person rather. Yeah. This and, feels
1: like a very physical right, of abduction. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah, that's like there is like there's like wrestling and tussling around and like (laughs) being dragged and she tackles one of them at one point. Well, that was in the dream. Yeah.
0: So, but yeah, Yeah. right. I mean, but dream, whether that's a, that was a visitation or just strictly a dream, you know, who knows? Because you know, more stuff did happen in that. And that's where, you know, we see the Bible and then they find the Bible the next day. So, you know, I think there was probably more to that first dream than, you know, than was originally yeah. thought.
1: I think in these situations, a lot of people take you know the dream or the hypnosis session or whatever, and they cement that as like, oh, this is what happened, yeah. right? Like, this is them remembering what happened. But like, if I go, you know, have a dinner with my brother, and then... that week I dream about having dinner with my brother, but then like we become superheroes and like fly into the sky. You know what I mean? Like you can definitely have dreams based on things that you've experienced in real life that, you know, new things are added to. Yeah, of course. Right. So it's, it's hard to decipher, especially with it being dreams rather than hypnosis. It's really hard to separate what was in Kelly's imagination and what was her actually recalling events, right?
0: Agreed. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And that's, yeah, that and that's kind of kind of my thoughts too. But yeah, I feel like I don't know. I just feel like there was a little bit more to that that initial one than yeah. You know that I mean. The like thing right
1: is, there. if if her husband come came out later and sort of um, corroborated some of those experiences that she remembered through dreams. That's, I mean, that's pretty solid.
0: Yeah. Right? Yeah, and the other thing that he had said when he finally came out about it was that he said that that wasn't the only contact that he had ever had with these beings. Oh. And he apparently had experienced several periods of contact throughout his lifetime.
1: Okay. That's interesting.
0: But there wasn't a whole lot more on that, so... I, I can't really elaborate more.
1: So, again, with the physical, she was electrocuted.
0: Well, right? so she felt...
1: Or like an electric hit in the stomach. Yeah, so that something. one was
0: like, it was almost like a shock to her stomach. And when uh, when they were first there, she had this feeling like, uh, she described it as like a frequency. Right. Or this just, this just almost like overpowering sensation that took over her body.
1: Gotcha, but painful.
0: I don't, I don't know if that part was painful, but yeah, the getting knocked down and you know hitting her stomach and stuff. Yeah, that that she yeah. described as painful. Um, I was reading kind of another thing that she had, uh, like another quote that um, I can't remember where I found it now, but it was basically stating that when she felt like that sensation, like frequency going over, she felt powerful. Interesting. So I'm yeah. Okay. I I don't really know what that means. So I guess take yeah. it as you want to, but yeah.
1: She like felt like her life goals were within her reach. <laughs> Maybe. All of a sudden. Yeah, yeah,
0: that or she just felt like you know felt like a superhero.
1: Yeah. Um. So afterwards, she gets this gnarly infection.
0: Yes. So well, yeah. So she she comes home later that night, discovers this kind of weird triangular burn cut whatever you want to call it um which that was strange enough but then apparently like so the way that you know she was talking she had basically said she had just ended her period and all of a sudden like she started bleeding very heavily yeah um she ends up going to the hospital um they they start asking her if she's pregnant you know like and so she's like no no you know I, I just literally just had my period blah 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 um, she ends yeah. up being hospitalized because, yeah, I mean, she, she had that major infection, you know, after, basically after a series of antibiotics, yeah, she was fine, but, so, but that happened right after that. So my question about that is, these people,
1: these beings, are capable of interstellar flight, but they don't know to sterilize their tools before they <laughs> inspect a woman's
0: uterus? Well... Maybe that, or maybe they tried to give her an alien baby that uh, she miscarried. Sure.
1: Rejected it. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's hard to say, right?
1: A rejected hybrid. Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
1: Dude, people go so deep on this alien stuff. Oh, so. man. Yeah.
0: But like, it would also be. I'm sure be there are cool. like a
1: million theories,
0: right? Right. Of course. I mean, you know. The, According to some there's there's hybrids all over the place.
1: Yeah, apparently.
0: And new ones born every day.
1: According to some, all <laughs> UFO podcasters are secretly hybrids.
0: Now yeah. that's a uh, that's a you know, a cool idea. I mean,
1: that would make <laughs> us hybrids at least a third of the time. Right, yeah. <laughs> I'm into it. I wonder can you fluctuate back and forth between being a hybrid and not?
0: You know what? I'm gonna say yes. Cause I've done it.
1: I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna agree with you. <laughs> I mean I do it all the time.
0: Exactly. Shit, I'm doing it right now. This is
1: this is one of the like many UFO abduction abduction cases where there seem to be a lot of health issues with the people like right, afterward. Yeah. Like yeah. they're exposed to something.
0: Well, and that's that's the thing, is like a lot of these ground traces that they that they did in this area, you know, had I mean, like the the pyrene one that they found, um, you know, that was known to cause cancer. Um there was also tannic acid found. Um, which apparently they they found was really strange because it should have dissolved from the rain. Uh, but it was apparently coated in, like, a waxy substance, a residue that we're not quite sure of what it was. Sure. Of course, I mean, in the area, a lot of the foliage had been covered in small small holes. Um, the soil was also filled with small air holes, basically as if the water had been uh, drained rapidly. Interesting. Um, it also compacted. Uh, you know, compacted a lot, which is also... Uh, Like the smaller holes and compacting of the ground and everything is said to happen a lot in crop circles.
1: Right, because it's like the combination of being compacted by the weight of the craft and then the heat from the whatever. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and then there was also a large amount of sulfur that was found in the area too.
1: So here's a theory. Might be a little early, but here's a theory. Yeah. Um, Could... A group have been had been out there doing some weird experiment, right? Some like weird test on ke- on with chemicals and whatever, and they basically just like encountered like a huge, you know, cloud of fumes, right? Basically, you know what I mean. Hmm. And then what well, all these soil tests are just picking up like. leftovers of this weird experimentation that was going on out there i mean they wouldn't be the first random group of scientists to just pick a spot and go like
0: yeah you know yeah i mean then honestly like depending on what it was could cause some kind of uh hallucinations and things like that these kind of weird experiences could also cause the sicknesses and things like that that happened after the fact yeah and then be perceived as a UFO alien encounter or something. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, they could have... This could be like a, a collection of near-death experiences of people like being poisoned. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right, exactly. And then Which... Them, like, the people doing the experiment freak out and they're, you know, they just like clean it up <laughs> and get the fuck out yeah. of there.
0: Which, uh... And, you know? So... For the second couple, um, the the second group in the second car, so I guess kind of piggybacking off of this idea, right? Um, because when they were approaching this this area, everybody in the car, all three of them, could hear this kind of strange noise, like humming sound. Of course, you know, I mean, there's there's a UFO there, uh, but sure. they suddenly felt ill as they were approaching this thing, as they were driving okay. driving down the road. Um, Bill even thought that he was gonna faint. He lost control of the car and ran off the road. Uh apparently it hit a pole. Um after checking for damage, they was I guess it was fine and they drove off. A few minutes later, um a speeding car with a or a speeding car with the high beams on shot past them. Then another passed, and they came to a bridge with a sharp turn following it almost immediately. Um and then farther along the section of this road, this is and again, this is still as they're driving down the road, like And this is where they come across around that curve that, um, you know, Kelly and Andrew had, had went around when they first were getting close and seeing these things. Right. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, so basically farther along the section, they stopped. And so as everything was going on, apparently Bill's vision, uh, became extremely impaired. Um, he was able to see a little bit, but you know, it, it was causing him problems. Um, and he apparently was unable to remember even seeing the craft when they finally got to it. Yeah. And so, but yeah, like, I guess the most notable to that was how strange, like, this whole thing became, you know, they all, they all started hearing this, like this humming sound and everything. I mean, you know, as they were even just driving down the road and then all started to feel sick before even getting there.
1: Yeah. See, that whole experience sounds a whole lot like some environmental hazard. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's that's possible. That's definitely possible.
1: Like getting sick, going off the road like he's he's having trouble seeing like that sounds like fumes. Yeah, you know what I mean?
0: But it could also be that this craft is letting off these fumes. Sure. Maybe they're, you know, fumes to to help uh, help them control these people or something like that. You know, I mean, it's hard to say, right?
1: or to like, you know, alter the the breathing air for, you know, these extraterrestrials. That's
0: true too. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I mean, that's honestly it's it's Yeah, it's it's a good thought because you know, I mean, obviously just kind of discussing this, the story, the story sounds great. And yeah. sounds crazy like all these different things going on. But yeah, I mean, maybe it was just something as simple as that. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna hope that it's not. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna disagree. Sure. But yeah, like honestly, that sounds good for what it is, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's.
1: <laughs> I did also want to mention this is a huge craft as far as UFO encounters right. go.
0: That's what I thought. Like enormous, two to three stories high, as long as an Olympic swimming pool.
1: Yeah, that's a big craft. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, people see like black triangles in the sky or whatever that are described as being pretty fucking massive, but like t- usually the ones that people see landed are not anywhere near this big. Right.
0: Normally like the size of a car or something yeah. like that. What was the uh the one of the officer out at uh, I can't remember the the episode now. It was it was a, one of our earlier episodes. But oh, he ended up finding um, the craft, and I mean, it was it was a pretty small one.
1: Yeah, the one in um, I think it's in Nevada.
0: Yeah, it was it was out in the desert. I remember that.
1: God, we've done so many now.
0: Right, <laughs> right.
1: I used to like pride myself on my ability to recall. Oh, I'll do stuff same, from but But uh,
0: There's, I mean. Now they're is... like,
1: oh, Lonnie Zamora.
0: Yes, yes. There we go. Yeah, that one.
1: Yep, just popped yeah. into my head. I'm yeah, I'm still, I mean, so still applauding myself. I think
0: of a lot of I think of a lot of them being <laughs> in between that and like the size of a car, roughly. You know, yeah, I'm, his
1: was like the football-shaped one that was like, um, it was
0: like on on it had feet.
1: Yeah, because so it, yeah, it had those like dumb 50s <laughs> sci-fi legs.
0: Yeah,
1: um, yeah, but he originally mistook it for a a car crash, right? Yeah, so it was like yep. about the size of a car
0: yeah Yeah, he he heard what sounded like a car crash and I mean he's chasing after it and stumbles upon this yeah the other thing that Um, I found really weird about this was Kelly seeing these beings and their eyes turned red yeah now all the others nobody else saw red eyes okay So, yeah, she described them basically as, like, fluorescent stoplights.
1: I mean, that could be just flourishes that her mind is adding in the dreams. Maybe. That's true, yeah. Or it could be some kind of, if you want to go full nuts and bolts, it could be, like, some kind of gear that they're wearing. Some kind of, like,
0: space suit. It could be just that... That experience was catered only to her.
1: Yeah. You know? It could be that these are full-blown, red-eyed skinwalkers. Maybe. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Red eyes is something I usually
1: associate with, like, cryptids and, like, folklore creatures. Of course.
0: I never think of aliens, like, or beings or whatever with red eyes. Normally, like, yeah, dark, beady eyes. But I, uh.
1: I don't know if it's. I I think this is kind of weird because a lot of people, a lot of people say that the scariest things that we cover are aliens, and I don't, I don't really feel that way. Yeah, I, I very rarely think of aliens as like monsters.
0: See, but people are terrified of aliens for some reason. I guess it's that thought and, and knowing, like. You're ignorant if you think that we're alone. Like, sure. flat out. You're ignorant if you think yeah. that we're the only things out there. I think it's like people coming to that realization or understanding that and thinking the same thing. And the fact that, yeah, we're definitely not alone, but yet we've never encountered anything like this. We don't know what to expect. Yeah. yeah I mean, besides these people that have, that, you know, the they're the guinea pigs for us, I guess. But they're all, like either the encounters are all one of the, they're all just cookie cutter encounters that are all the same or they're Uh extremely unique and terrifying. Yeah.
1: Yep. The in-depth ones are always very unique.
0: Right. So yeah, I mean, I I get that. I get that, but I think it's cool shit. So
1: I think what really scares people about alien abduction is the feeling of being powerless
0: yeah oh without a doubt like yeah i mean this
1: these beings that are so far advanced that you just don't have a fucking chance in the world yeah like there's no getting away from this now if you feel that way you should go listen to our episode on stardust ranch because you can just instead start fantasizing about a world where you can kill aliens with samurai (laughs) swords gonna
0: say and they bleed machine
1: guns out the window to prevent your wife from being abducted yeah and yeah because that dude didn't fuck around he was like powerless no
0: you know what he's probably on the ranch bud that these guys are out there with red eyes and these like crazy (laughs) armor and stuff like yeah they're probably not not gonna let that happen again so i was uh i was actually watching this interview with kelly And they had asked her, um, if she had ever had any previous experiences. Um, so apparently in 1991, um, she, she was pregnant with her third child and she apparently woke up one, one day, uh, laying on her stomach, like basically balancing her whole body on her stomach, uh, and her water had apparently broken um as she stood up she realized like her apparently her nightgown was inside out which was out of the ordinary for her yeah that's um she tried to remember when she'd even put it on or when she'd even went to bed you know with that uh and so she found herself basically not being able to remember anything you know she she said the last thing she remembered is she was sitting in her lounge area and then the next thing she knew she woke up that morning
1: interesting balanced on her stomach.
0: Right, apparently balanced balanced on her stomach, which is yeah, kind of the weird thing. She said it took her it took her a minute to be able to get out of bed too, so um but yeah, so That's super
1: yeah, that's super weird. Like legs up, head up, like balanced on her <laughs> I stomach. I guess so,
0: yeah. Um So this is like
1: this is like 2 years before the the abduction. Yeah,
0: yeah, this is 2 years before it and she said after the birth of her son she started having issues with hair loss and sickness um they at first thought that it was her appendix um apparently due to like her white white blood cell count and some other stuff that you know came about with that um but it turned out that it wasn't that but there was also the possibility of radiation contact radiation sickness and so but nobody's been able to to say for sure So So that's
1: like very similar to the, to the later experience. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. And and she said like, she, you know, when, when she was originally asked, she's like, you know, I don't think so, but you know, the more that I've kind of, I've kind of started to think about it and kind of put two and two together. Yeah. I feel like this could almost have, have been like a precursor to this.
1: Yeah. That's weird. Maybe that baby is a hybrid.
0: Well, they they asked. They said, "So, did anything happen? You know, have you, did you have any complications with the child?" Like, it's like no. She's like, she, "He's actually my best, like, my most well-behaved kid." <laughs> and <laughs> he's actually the best kid I've made. They're they like, "Well, maybe that's the reason,
1: <laughs> right? Maybe because it's half alien." Yep. Weird. Okay. Did the other women that were involved in this? Did any of them have any like? issues that had to do with you know menstruation or pregnancy or
0: um not not that was really said I mean you know they're outside of uh outside of I guess like these issues um they they didn't really have any major problems outside of the kind of the dots on their thighs uh, the ligature okay. marks on Glenda and David's uh, ankles um, but no like real major health issues and also apparently like everything about their encounters was specifically to that that night like they they had okay. no other no additional encounters or anything like that um, yeah you know so yeah i'm I'm not sure I had also uh in an interview she talked about Bill. Because every everything that I've read and all the all the interviews and stuff that I've I've read about it, is Bill had no problems, but she had mentioned in one interview that uh, Bill ended up apparently apparently after the fact started losing large clumps of hair on the back of his head, so that they thought was maybe due to possible radiation as well. Yeah. So it, yeah, I mean it's hard to say for sure, but I mean outside of that, there were no like real real major, you know, major things that happened as a result. Okay. Um,
1: I'm, I'm just so struck by how physical this is, because, like, the ligature marks around their ankles, like, you don't often hear of aliens, like, r- tying a rope around their, <laughs> the abductee's ankle and dragging them up a hill. Right, right, you know exactly, what I mean? yeah. This seems very... It seems very human to me. I'm, like, leaning back into my theory from before, like, that these yeah. people, that they came across humans doing some fucked up shit, and, like, it got out of hand. That's, that's what it seems like to me. It's all so physical.
0: Well, from from Glenda's recount, she, she said that she had basically remembered, like, a vision of her being tied down to a table which would you know which would explain the you know the ligature marks on her ankles if she was strapped yeah, down on that's her ankles fair. so I don't think it was yeah, from I mean, being physically you know dragged around this field or anything but you know, who's to yeah. say right
1: that's for some reason that's what I thought immediately but of course if they were tied down to the table that could leave you know that could right. leave marks yeah but even then, you don't think, like, would they still be strapping people to a table? Like, I mean, you know what I mean?
0: Maybe, maybe they, it was like something, uh, I, I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm assuming in this case, they'd probably strap somebody down to prevent them from being able to, you know, get up, especially someone that's like freaking out or whatever else, right? I mean, I know,
1: maybe I'm going like way sci fi, you know, but like, I for some reason during abductions I always think of people just being like willed to the table. I mean that's you know what yeah, I mean like
0: yeah, I, w- I would I would personally think that they would be like be able to like either telepathically or like psychically or something make them you know prevent them from being able to get up. Yeah. Like you're on the table comply. now. This is you. Yeah. Or you know some something. You're right? a person on a table. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I mean, you know, this is also the '90s. Sure. <laughs> '90s <laughs> we aliens. We have '90s aliens, right?
1: Surprised none of them were wearing jinkos.
0: They were probably fans of Alf.
1: <laughs> Most definitely. <laughs> if you were to abducting people aged by the '90s, you definitely were watching Alf in the '80s. Of course.
0: So I mean, you know, who knows? It's just, I don't know. I I I like I like that idea, and I think it adds more. It, it adds more to the story for sure. Yeah. Um. You know. I I like I said. I don't think they're just being dragged around this field by their ankles, <laughs> and you having a headache or something, right?
1: Yeah. I I really enjoy the in this story. I enjoy the fact that there are like three separate or multiple separate experiences that kind of overlap and they kind of like it's almost like if Quentin Tarantino directed a or if Guy Ritchie if Guy Ritchie directed an abduction yeah (laughs) movie it yeah it would be this one
0: yeah because like
1: you get all these separate crossover
0: moments and yeah see and that's and that's what's really cool and and that's what uh you know, and even talking about the other witnesses outside of Kelly, that yeah. you know they every everybody well outside of Glenda and Jane, they were friends, and and obviously Bill, like they were all three together. Yeah. Kelly and Andrew, and then David by himself. Um, but each, it was said that each one had their own encounter, and that neither, uh, especially when in the case of Glenda and Jane. Neither one of them saw each other um, in this, you know, in this alien environment, um, while essentially most likely on board like the UFO or whatever, uh, that they kind of had visions or remember kind of being in this, uh, you know, exam area, Um, but they were still aware of what was happening to the other through psychic means. Interesting.
1: Okay. So they weren't like physically together, but they were aware of what was happening
0: to each other. Apparently, um, you know, they they were aware that both of them had gone to this kind of exam area or to an okay. exam area, right? Yeah. Um, but they they weren't like when they were in there neither one of them saw each other. So, I mean, um, yeah, it could be a different room. You know, it could be lab number two through yeah. thousand or whatever. Um, and each... Yeah, I mean,
1: with the size of this UFO, <laughs> <they laughs> it right, really exactly. could have a
0: thousand. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, you know, which... And that was that was something that they, they had said or that they had claimed. That, you know, they were still aware that each one was in there, but they didn't see them. Uh, but, like, they could tell mentally or something that they could you know it's kind of just like that i have a feeling that they're here sort of thing right um so i don't i don't know you know like you know i don't know if that's like real you know really good thing to buy into or that it you know has any real like solid credibility but whatever right
1: no, but it's interesting.
0: Yeah. I, I try to,
1: like, lean into what the people are feeling during it, and that, like, that's a big one. Yeah. Right? That's that's a unique thing. Yeah. Um, for sure. What? This, this is fascinating. This might be one of my favorite UFO abductions. I mean, yeah. It's, it's like... I
0: think I'm going to read her book. What's her book called it's again? It's called Encounter. It was never published in the U.S., if you try to find okay. a copy, they're like a hundred and some. I was gonna buy one too. Um, like I found a copy for like a hundred and something or whatever. You might be able to find. Yeah. Uh, you know, you might be able to find like a, um, like an ebook or something of it, possibly.
1: Dude, that needs to be re-released by an American publisher. Right,
0: I, I'm surprised because it apparently sold out in Australia. Like they, yeah, it was very, yeah. very popular. Um, but it was never published over here.
1: We have some friends in the publishing game. If you, you people out there, listeners who are involved in publishing, get on this, because like if you get rights to re-release this in the U.S. for real, because like this is a fascinating story. And I, like I said at the beginning, I'd never really looked into it deeply, but I understand why it's like hugely popular. Yeah, because this is fucking wild. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. So many people and so many layers, like the the health issues and the the dream states. Like, did we could do a whole podcast on like interpreting her dreams. Yeah, I mean, it you know be, what I mean. Yeah,
0: like super. It would, it would be it would be awesome, honestly. Um, yeah, just because of like how strange they are, and, and and as I described them, I only I only basically just brushed brushed over it. Yeah. Um. You know, yeah. she had she yeah, had. These, I want to read the book. These dreams are night visitations is what she referred to them as uh, for five months.
1: Now, did she think that from her perspective, was she remembering what happened previously or were these ongoing visitations?
0: So these were all as she was dreaming them. Yeah. So these were all different, uh, different times, um, you know, different uh, instances, right? Um, if that's I guess if that's what you're asking,
1: yeah, like I'm I I think I had it in my head that she was dreaming, and I was thinking about it. I think too synced up with the hypnosis, right? Like she was just rediscovering her memories of what happened that night. But she well, considers each of these experiences they're all, they're a separate abduction, or yeah wow so okay because that's t- man that's there totally was different one,
0: um like i said i mean there was that that initial one and there was one where she woke up by being pulled off of her bed uh she she in multiple occasions she saw these tall dark uh this tall dark figure and it was i'm pretty sure she said it was always the same one and it was always okay. in a dark cloak um with a hood and a couple times she was able to actually see its eyes sometimes it like the hood covered its eyes
1: that's a little bit demonic
0: right sounds it sounds a little bit right yeah
1: yeah i mean she was a like you said a god-fearing christian right like i i could see some of that imagery being blended in right with something that you're you have this like mortal fear of. yeah yeah for sure yeah interesting (laughs)
0: But yeah, it's Yeah, that's
1: totally different. If she's having like ongoing abductions, mm-hmm. like I have to read this book.
0: Yeah, well I've stumbled on a <laughs> a PDF version of it, but uh, you know. Um which I mean I guess if if that's the only alternative then I'll definitely check it out. But But yeah, it's it is this, it's a strange, strange case. Like I mean, you know, we talk about like Barney and Betty Hill and, and like those types of encounters where, you know, I mean, yeah, that was, that was strange enough. Like they both had some crazy stuff. I mean, um, you know, of course other, other situations or other people that, that have had their shares of encounters, but I feel like this one's very, very unique.
1: Yeah. It's, I mean, it, there's just so much to it. Thank you for choosing this topic. I'm like hyped to get in to like dig into it myself. Yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I think that's going to do it though for tonight's episode. Uh, this is, uh, episode 78, the Kelly Cahill encounter. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. From the bottom of our weird,
1: possibly alien, maybe ghostly, probably cryptid hearts for listening. We absolutely love having the chance to discuss all these wild creatures and
0: events every week. And it's your continued attention that allows us to carry on. We want to get to know each and every one of you. So please come and check us out on all the socials. At campfire.tails.podcast on Instagram and Facebook. At campfire.totsau on Twitter. And you can also visit our website at campfirepodcastnetwork.com. If you love the show, please rate and review it. It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling.
1: And a special thanks to Greg Martin at Reverent Music on Instagram for his contributions to the beautiful music that you hear every week under the debrief. You can find more of his tunes at ReverbNation.com slash Reverent. It's fantastic, fantastic stuff. Go give that a listen. And that's it. Until next time, I'm Ryan. I'm Jordan.
0: And remember, campers, stay weird and trust in the unknown.